podcast. It's Love Sport podcast tonight, which is uh, sound a bit pornographic there, but it's certainly not, mate. But some people might say sport is a bit that way as well. How are you, lad? Thanks for having me on, and I'm I'm very excited to talk about all kinds of uh, different um, festivals of sport. Sounds yeah, great. we're gonna we're gonna jump all over the place tonight. We're gonna cover a bit of American sport. We'll cover you know a bit of Aussie sport. Uh, we'll cover even tennis and cricket. So going to be a fair bit packed in pretty quickly here, mate. But we'll start with uh, we'll start with some American sport and with the um, Pac-12 and other college football, the SEC looking like they're not even going to get up for the season. College football would have to be uh, have to be done for the season, don't you think? Amazing stuff. I read that um, you know that in Alabama, the town of Tuscaloosa, that. You know, if the college season doesn't go ahead, it's worth something like two billion dollars to their local economy. Some crazy figure like that, and and you believe it? They, I mean, they're the biggest college program that there is. The SEC is massive. Um, yeah, it's it's going to have a lot of impacts on the NFL with drafts and things like that. Um, I can't see them getting it going. I mean, there's just so many people on the sidelines, Paul. You know, and it, it, you've said it really well there. So, you know, you're looking at uh, Alabama, um, you know, almost 100,000, if not more, a game um, with those home games, merchandising, um, the TV rights. Um, let's not probably, you know, make light of this. It actually can cost the university um, a lot of spots. It can cost the university their future if this continues uh, without vaccines next year because some of the smaller... And Division Two schools, no way they're going to be able to afford having a season off. We said it earlier when we did our, I don't know, if we, different times we've been doing our, our podcast, is that I really fear for our friends in America, um, the complete lack of leadership from the top of the country. And, you know, they just seem to be, be floating like a, a ghost ship through the night, seeing how many people die. And, and if we don't do anything about it, we'll see what happens. In the meantime, their economy is completely screwed. There's loads of people dead, and um, and it's not changing in a hurry. It's just madness. And you know, we're not putting America down. We we, we love American sport. Um, love them. Absolutely love our sport. Um, so college football in real big trouble. And I think one of the things you were talking about leadership, and and one of the areas that that leadership is really hard with with football is, uh, especially college football, is there's no commissioner. Like there's no, um, you know, the NFL's got a commissioner, the NBA's got a commissioner, you know, Major League Baseball and so forth. But college football doesn't. It's still realistically run by the, the major schools. Um, the national championship was almost a, a, a payoff or an agreement between the different conferences. And, mm. and, and, and without that leadership from one person, you can see the effects. Um, you know, you've, you're going to still have those players even if they got the college season on, you're going to see some of the players go, well, I'm not playing. There's no national championship. There's no, you know, potential bowl games. I'm going into the NFL draft. Why would I even play? And, and there's a number of uh, players that, you know, will be in that, that position. It might be the thing that makes, you know, I think what you're talking about makes a lot of sense. It might be the thing that actually brings that competition together. You know, when they went to the, the national championship, they used to have the bowl bowl series and and then just, you know, rankings and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, let's fight. most people who followed college football thought it was rubbish. Um, just people voting to say, you know, who should be the champion or whatnot. At least they've got the playoffs now. And it might just be the thing that brings, you know, those different those different colleges together in some kind of a 
a real format, um, whether it's, you know, conference. I know they've got conferences with the, you know, Pac-10 and Pac-12 and Big Ten and, and of course, and so forth, yeah. the dominant. And no matter what way you slice it or dice it, the SEC is the dominant overall um, uh, program. They, they, they kind of almost need to have somebody come in who can just bring all those parts together and, and have a first and second tier, north, south, east and west like they do in the NFL and, and say, bugger it, guys, if you win the SEC, that just means you've got a shot at the title. You don't get it. And, you know, that's it makes perfect sense and perfect sense doesn't always uh, get over the line, unfortunately. There's a lot of vested interest and as you just talked about the billions from Alabama, um, you know, they, there's a lot of people that are benefiting from this. Um, you know, I suppose like everything else, it's the safety for these players. It's the safety for other students. I just can't see, we're not going to be able to do bubbles, um, so to speak. So I just cannot, cannot see how the college football season gets off. And there's got to be an even danger for next season as well. Interesting though, that the students are back on campus and they're already recording, you know, several, um, you know, cases of COVID as you'd expect, because it's rife throughout the, the whole place. It's not just in New York anymore. It's all through the South. It's all through the, Midwest, it's all through the Pacific Northwest, it's all through California. And it's massively through the desert in Arizona. Absolutely. And, you know, there's nowhere to hide. So you come together as people and then you've got people um, running around who are in the masks, who aren't in the masks, and, and, and you've got protests, you've got all kinds of stuff happening. And young people who historically been involved in, you know, getting out there and talking for their rights and things like that, be involved in a protest movement. Well, it stands to reason that those things are going to be rife on campus. Oh, absolutely, and we'll come back to uh, we'll come back to the NFL uh, in a moment. But we, we'll look at another sport just uh, briefly. The NBA did go the, the first team that said, "Look, we're going to go into the bubble system." Uh, they had a basically came back and played a few games to let's be honest, try and get Zion Williamson in. The New Orleans Pelicans were never going to make the finals. It almost mm. feels like they tried to get a superstar into the playoffs, which I don't actually think they need anymore. There's enough superstars already going around. So, oh, and yeah. the NBA, it's based on you know individuals, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And whilst Zion will have his time in the sun, um, it really felt um, contrived, you know, playing a few more games to see who made the finals or not. I think no one would have complained if it just went straight into um, the playoffs. And even with the playoffs... Um, you know, you've got 16 teams in there and they're going to be playing best of sevens from the start. Um, or, or, you know, sorry, best of fives from the start. Just seems like they could have done it a bit smarter. But I think one of the criticisms watch. of the NBA has been over a quite a period of time. Now, you know, I mean, I'll put it out there. It's not my favourite sport. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an interest in it in, at playoff time. But one of the criticisms that I hear quite regularly about it, and this is from American commentators, is that... Um, you know, there's not much point in playing a regular season because you know who's going to be involved in the playoffs anyway. So they want to just get it started. And most of the time that is correct. I mean, we've got 16 teams right now. Um, maybe this changes the face of NBA where, you know, it, it ends up being a 40 or 50 game season, um, which makes a lot of sense. These guys travel nonstop. Fatigue comes into play. They don't have big squads. But interestingly, two eights, uh, two, the two eight seeds are 1-0 up in their series. So Magic are 1-0 up against Milwaukee and Portland earlier today um, got up in a close one against the Lakers. So two eight seeds are leading the uh, one seeds 1-0 uh, in their series. The rest uh, 
Heater up 1-0 against the Pacers. Rockets are leading Thunder 1-0. Uh, Raptors 1-0 up against the Nets. The Nuggets are 1-0 up against the Jazz. Celtics lead 1-0 against the Sixers, who are injury-riddled uh, now. And the Clippers, big chance to win the whole lot, uh, 1-0 up against the Mavs. You know, and they had a close game as well. So, who knows? Maybe... And the Knicks aren't in the playoffs again. Sorry, sorry? The Knicks aren't there. Are you, uh, are you trying to pay me out there for loving my Knicks? Um, but no, the Knicks... Uh, let, let's be 100% honest. By name, not reputation, by name, they are still one of the biggest names in world sport. And until they get new ownership, um, they're going nowhere, you know, potentially for another decade, um, which is mm. just absolutely insane. But nevertheless, you know, if the, uh, if the magic uh, get knocked out of this uh, series... Uh, I can't say his name. I always get it wrong. Antetokounmpo um, may leave for big money, and you never know. The bright lights of New York. If you can't win a title, you might as well get paid and be in the uh, in the lights there. So who knows? But we'll follow this a bit more, uh, probably as the series is wrap up a bit more. Because at the moment, sixteen teams are already in there. Yeah, so, a lot of teams. Major League Baseball, John. Um, Really weird feeling there. We're getting a lot of coverage on um, pay TV in Australia. Um, we, you know, the Oakland A's, the Twins, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, they're all off to fantastic starts. But coronavirus has really hit teams hard. Um, and Houston Astros, as a lot of people would have expected, copping a lot of grief. And there's, you know, we've had benches spill attacking them and so forth. But cheating's mm. happened in baseball since day dot. Yeah, and that um, level. it has, and it's a game that you know it's 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 quite sad to see how the whole you know how baseball has kind of slipped. I mean, because we're obviously huge NFL fans, and yep. um, you know it's pretty hard to put yourself in a time when the NFL wasn't the predominant sport in America, but it was historically always baseball, and uh, you know a combination of players' strikes, scandals. Drugs, uh, player strikes, drugs, scandals, player strikes, all that, you know, it's just on and on and on. It's just this cut and cut and cut at the go. I actually really like baseball. I love watching it. Um, and I, I, I had a moment of clarity, you know, to quote John Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction, I had a, <laughs> what alcoholics call a moment of clarity when I took my son down to play baseball at the local um, Palm Beach Crumb and Alligators baseball um, club, and I was standing there, um, you know, umpiring a game at first base, and I was like, you know what? Oh, I wish I'd played this sport as a kid. It was fantastic. I loved it, and my kid loved it, and such a great game to play. Oh, be involved in. It's really pure. It's just one on one. It really is pure, it, isn't it? It's it's the hmm. pitcher. It's one of the only games in the world, and yes, we could say cricket's very similar in in in, in baseball, obviously. Um, we could go into the history there. But you're facing that pitcher. He knows how you hit. You're trying to almost guess what he's about to pitch. I think it's just it, – cricket, yes, very similar in that regards, but that pitch with being able to throw the arm at all different angles, that's why people are so angry with the way Houston did it because they were basically reading the signals and telling uh, the batter what was coming up. Now, how much easier does that make baseball? A lot, and it was a bit, but it was kind of down the Spygate thing with, um, and I think it's just happened again with the Patriots in the NFL, where they're, you know, they're watching what the calls are and they know what's going. It's just flat out, it's cheating. 
And I don't think they dealt with it nearly hard enough um, no. in the MLB. I think I think I think that's a sport that's dead set scared of its player. Well, the thing is, though, mate, I think you're 100 percent correct because you know the guys who've taken the massive hits here are the coaches. But yeah. who, are the, who are the people doing all the signalling? Who are the people? And you, if you go, anyone go on YouTube and go and watch Houston, uh, Houston Astros cheating, you'll see them banging on garbage tins. You will see them doing all these kind of things. It's beyond, I mean, it's not beyond cheating, it's cheating, but it's beyond the pale. Um, Everyone's going on. But the only people who've really copped it has been the general manager and, and some of the coaches. And, and it's, the a sport, it's a sport that previously has, has, Banned guys for life, and and scrub the records of clean of of their achievements for things that you go, wow, and 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 now this sort of stuff comes up and they get a feather out and give them a, like a little whack across the calf. Well, for anyone who loves cricket, and and we love our cricket as well, and cricket's we love everything, man. Come on, we do. Let's be honest about it. But cricket is probably the closest, not in just the way it looks, but in terms of how much statistics are. Uh, revered, you know, statistics and mm. cricket and statistics and baseball are absolutely revered and poured over. Will the statistics from the shortened season count? So if someone someone hits 400 for the season, is that going to be asterisked or how do you see that? How do you see that kind of season? Well, I mean, you know what? It's going to come out as part of their career, isn't it? So, you know, it's – they play – I think and – and I'm not all over it like I am on, on lots of other sports – but I think that the number of games they play in a season is just a joke. Few um, too many, you reckon? Few too many. 165. Well, it's 167, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was 165. Yeah, but, uh, but nevertheless... <laughs> to get in. I mean, I, I think that's garbage. And I know why they do it, right? But I just think that's just a ridiculous amount of games. And um, and I think they can learn something. Like the, 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 one, the thing that I love about the NFL so much, man, is it's like the only sport in the world that's realised that if you play it less, people want it more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if you're a diehard MLB fan, right, how are you going to sit there and watch the morning and the afternoon and the evening session of games on road trips for your team and then do anything and then watch any other thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes it extremely hard. So we'll segue across... Um, to our final little bit on the uh, on American sport for this moment. Um, and, you know, this is late news. We're not breaking any of the news here, but Mahomes obviously signed a, a massive contract for the NFL, which pales in insignificance with baseball contracts. Um, baseball contracts have always been um, guaranteed, but Mahomes has taken a very big contract, which was expected. It gives security to the Chiefs. And they're able to sign um, because he's taken, you know, a reasonable amount. I consider a reasonable amount for someone who's going to be an absolute star. Um, it's allowed other players to be signed by the Chiefs and it's kept them in the window. Um, then you've got Dak Prescott, who's been, you know, almost franchise tagged. Um, whether that's a good or bad mood, uh, move uh, by Jerry, I'm not sure what your thoughts are there. Smart clubs know how to manage the cap, keep the players on the Patriots did it with Brady. You keep that, you know, if you go and pay the quarterback, you know, 130 salary cap, you're not going to win anything. Um, you know, the team dissolves around you. And I think, um, you know, some teams that have maybe not benefited from 
scenarios like that have been like my own packers, not to a massive extent, but you know, in in, in some ways, you have you, you're not able to keep the the team up around. You've got to you've got to be able to look after all parts of your your team: offense, defense, the lines, secondary linebackers. You know, your running backs, your tight ends, and everyone everyone's got got their hand out, look for money, um, and sometimes you just can't pay them. I think I was surprised to hear the sort of aggressive signing that the the way that the Chiefs have been able to shore up their team from last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as part of it was like, you, you know, you're looking for your team to get an advantage, looking for the Packers to get back and be relevant. You're thinking, okay, we're act- every year it seems like the NFC has got more good teams and the AFC wins the Super Bowl, you know. And so now the Chiefs are obviously a big-time thing. Uh, it's going to take a lot to knock them out. Um, so I would tell you what, I wouldn't want to be in their division. Oh no! And 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 let's face it, the um, I think some of the Chiefs players are definitely taking unders. Um, and I think the rings at the end, um, you know, you win one Super Bowl, that's fantastic. You win two or three, you're never going to be short of money, are you? you you're going to get uh, media gigs. You're going to get, um, uh, you know, be able to go and do sportsmen's nights for the rest of your life. You're going to get guest spots on TV shows. You ring two or three Super Bowls, no matter what you were getting paid in your career, you're not you're going to be compensated going forward, aren't you? That's it, and especially a city like Kansas City. It's like a rabid fan base, man. I'm mad. They they, they absolutely love their um their football club and the, KC. I mean, if there's any fans out there, I'm not disparaging. They're not a team that's like a a Cowboys or a Steelers or a Packers. It's sort of like got this whole whole of America ownership or the Raiders would be the other one, right? Where, you know, they they kind of cross all barriers. KC is very much a its own market and its own group of fans and great fans that they are. Um, and it's it's it was one of the best things last year. It was great to see them win. I loved it. It was fantastic. I don't want to see them turn to the Patriots. I, yeah. I can see that happening with with Mahomes and and the things around them. Uh, that worries me. Well, I mean, you know, we're, we're saying that and we're seeing some pretty big, um, we're seeing some other pretty big signings like uh, George Kittle and, uh, as we said, Dak, Dak's um, towed the company line, his uh, franchise franchise tag, so he's still going to get fantastic money. But Jerry's know. pretty loyal to his players. Um, so I, if, I, if I'm Dak, I, I, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I mean, he's going to get good money on a franchise tag. Jerry, Jerry's not a guy for letting guys walk if he wants to keep them. I don't think. I think if they had have um, been super keen on Dak, I think they would have signed him last year um, and not franchise tagged him this year. So I don't think Jerry is uh, super keen on on Dak Prescott at all. One of the things that he is, though, and he's always been accused of, is he rarely he's rarely accused of um, letting players go uh, when you should have. You know what I mean? He's always like with uh, keeping guys around and paying them good money. And, you know, if you're going to pick a franchise to be good at, <laughs> Dallas is the one. And Dallas, you don't even have to win. You just get the big, huge money. Oh, yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, you know, they, as you said, they're called America's team. But, you know, living in Australia and, and seeing so many people who love the NFL, um, I, I just, you know, I, I still see a lot of Green Bay Packers shirts around. I see a lot of Seattle Seahawks shirts. So success does bring that. And I definitely think the Chiefs, you know, they win another Super Bowl or two. We're going to see so many Chiefs jerseys in Australia. 
Uh, oh, the kids are into them. I make no mistake. At school, the kids are into them, and and you know all the kids know that I'm. Well, I love talking sport with them, and you know they're interested in the Chiefs. Some of them been very interested in the Patriots. They well, love the Seahawks. Um, you know, well, good, good colours, with, good colours with the Pats, and good colours with the Seahawks. I think colours have got a lot to do with jerseys as well. Uh, being a Dolphins fan and a diehard. Haven't always loved some of our jersey colours, man. They're not the uh, prettiest to uh, to to walk around in, but you you got to you got to represent any uh, of those clubs. Any of those clubs, we had this discussion um, months ago. Uh, look way better in their original jerseys, man. One hundred percent. So that's our section on American sport. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, a little bit of AFL, a bit of tennis, maybe some NRL and uh, the Broncos mess, and John's favourite sport or one of his favourite sports, cricket. We might even touch on the future this year and next year of cricket. So, John, uh, we covered American sport, and uh, I might have heard there a little bit of a click of a can, a bit of a pour there. What, What have we got going on in the background? I have a very um, spectacular – it helps me to prepare. It sort of takes the edge off things. Okay. okay um, yep. It's called Oatinger. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It's not the fanciest lager, but I do like – I like Munich lager and German lager, but, you know, uh, we're on a budget, you know, like so. I was about to say to you, it's a great value beer, isn't it? Like it's – a lot of our European beers are such good value in a show. See, I could have lied and said oh, well, I was just pouring a Velka Popper Vicky Cazelle, but – <laughs> the true diehards out there know that you can't get the cans of those over here in Oz. So yeah, um, you don't lie about your beers, mate. You don't lie about your beers. So yeah, no, it's a working man's it. drink, mate. <laughs> so the AFL season is two thirds of the way through the regular season. Your lines are absolutely flying at the moment. My Tigers are thereabouts, and it looks like it's come down to two venues for the AFL Grand Final, and could be could be announced as early as late next week. It's got to come down at the moment to um, with WA now reclosing their borders till potentially the end of the year. Looks like it's going to come down to the Gabatoire or Adelaide Oval. See, this is a hard one, man. You know, I, 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 oh, I almost want to cry. I'm not thinking about what I'm actually going to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm. Especially as there's a chance it could really, it's a real big chance it could be against my number one team that I love to really hate, which is Port Adelaide. It could be Port versus the Lions. But, you know, I'd rather see it played in South Australia. I know that really hurts you to say. I, I, I think, though, um, to be safe, I think the Gab is about a 70% to 80% chance, mate. I really do. I think the Gab has done. Queensland has done everything the AFL's wanted. Oh, I'll be stoked if it's here. Oh, absolutely, it's, I think it's, I think for, for all be. reasons. But you you know exactly why I'm saying what I'm saying. Oh, definitely. You know, oh, I think the spiritual home of the sport is Melbourne, and it's really, you know, you could cut a knife between that and South Australia. Oh, one of the look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, and I've copped a lot of grief about this in the last few days. I believe the best spawning ground in Australia is the Adelaide Oval. Um, I worked there for just over a year as well. I was actually at the Oval working. It, uh-huh. It's got the best combination of old and new you could ever imagine. And uh, history. Oh, yeah, 
is awesome, isn't it? Oh, the old scoreboard, being able to see the churches. But the other thing that a lot of people who haven't been to Adelaide Oval might not realise is inside the actual uh, venue itself is all multiple food and beverage outlets that, that are just so different to what we're getting at the, you know, the MCGs and the Gabbers and so forth. There's old food vans. I don't mean they're old, but, you know. Adelaide's like, a desert cornucopia of food. It's the best place. I'm going to go back now five minutes ago and I'll make up what I was drinking. It would be a Cooper's Red. Oh, yeah. um, Adelaide's a dead set, the best place for food, food in Australia and for, 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 for booze, like beer and wine. There's, there's, there's not a question mark about it. It's a great place, a great food markets. I really like their pies as well. Um, but, like, the other thing is, man, let's be realistic. Like, Port Adelaide would still have, like, so if they play the GF there, they still got all those old tarpaulins. They used to use a football park when they couldn't get a crowd. So it'll be just like if they do make the GF, Port could roll those out and put a few of those in the underneath the you know the Ian Chapel stand and and the uh, and the David Hook stand, and so they don't even have to worry about social distancing because they still got those black tarps. Remember those? I absolutely remember those tarps. And I, you know, it's funny seeing some of those come back this year. Uh, obviously with COVID as well. But um, the, the other thing, mate, um, walking across from the city, across a bridge to a ground coming straight off, um, you know, straight off a train and so forth in Adelaide is, is pretty amazing. You've got all the churches just around it. You've got all the local pubs all around the ground. So it's actually a great venue. And I think It's like my fever dream because I can go to Mass in the morning. You know, I love going to church on a Sunday, go to Mass and then, I can go to the pub, drink a truckload of Coopers, and then head to the footy and check out the um, the Port Adelaide tarps off section. Absolutely. I mean, well, Cross River Rail comes in. It's going to change the Gabba forever. It's going to change people being over there go, oh, I don't want to do that 1.4-kilometre walk. I don't want to get on that bus. I know it sounds silly, but you've done that walk from South Bank up the Heaps of down times, yeah. as, as, as have I. Um, but I think the Cross River Rail is going to make it a real mecca. It's going to change the... Uh, venues that are around the ground. We might see a few more little boutique pubs pop up. So in the long term, it's going to be just fantastic when Cross River Rail does get up and running. But this year, look, it, I just can't see how the Gabba won't be announced with what Queensland has basically saved the AFL season. I, I think it would be... True. I think it would be remarkable. The, the Queenslander in me is really pumped and excited for that. So if I take my... You know, some you have to sometimes... I mean, you know I'm passionate... Queenslander slash England person, right? Yep. Absolutely. So that's my two. That's my two things, and that's my shtick, and I like it. But you know, uh, I'd love to see the the grand final at Gabba, and hopefully, a little bit more investment in the ground at some point going forward by not just the government but also the AFL, especially if it does save the season for them. Uh, definitely, and it's and you know then we'll, we'll touch on another sport a little bit later, but it's also going to help cricket being a much better venue. Um, You've sat in the sun at the Gabba. Uh, when, when the, you know, if you're in the wrong stand and you've sat in it's the sun, tough. That's yeah. a, that is a tough gig. That is a, anyone who sits there for four or five days in that sun and doesn't have. Sun it's usually the Barmy Army, oh. and they're usually absolutely. People go, well, how come they're just carrying on? It's like because they've all turned bright red. The sun and it reflects off the concrete. Um, and especially in the, uh, it's more around that, uh, that three or four o'clock. Sorry, mate. I'm going to stop you there. I just had a phone call come through, so it actually just cut us out there. So we'll come back. So, all right. 
we'll get, we'll get back into that. So the Barmy Army, um, you, you were saying about the Barmy Army in, in the stands there. Yeah, about three, especially around two or three in the afternoon, and the sun just bounces off the concrete, and it's crazy how hot it is. And the stupid price of um, um, mid-strength beer there, um, which is worse than water, and – oh, pardon me. Um, what's that, Oatinger? That's the Oatinger. But, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's so hot. And But that's, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's Queensland too, isn't it? Yep. Like, and you get that. And I've been going to the Gabba since, you know, had the Leslie Wilson stand, the dog track, yeah, yeah. all those kind of things. And we'd go up there as kids. And I've, I've always loved it. There's something about walking into the ground as your home ground for, especially, I love going there for test cricket. I like going there for AFL as well. I remember when they first came back from Carrara, man. I was at uni. Um, we were working up at, and you know, at uni and doing some work in Brisbane, uh, living at Kangaroo Point, games at the Gabba, Sean Smith, Mark, all that kind of stuff how awesome it was in that old Gabba ground. And I really do love it. And, yeah, look, if it gets a grand final, uh, all bets are off. Well, I'm, I'm excited for the Lions to win that. That will be awesome, well, especially if we're playing Port. Well, I can tell you now, um, we, you know, we'll touch on who the chances are this year. So you, you've said Port and um, and obviously Brisbane. And I still think... Well, I know that Richmond are the team that we can't beat. Don't worry about that. I, I know that. I wasn't even going to go just there. I, I still think West Coast Eagles have, have one of the greatest tap ruckmen I've ever seen. And he's back. He's fit. Um, and that new... Yeah, but as you say, if they're not, if they're not playing... It's, the, the, the season coming as it's going to start to get late real early for everyone, isn't it? So if you're away from home and you're... And you and you don't have any of those things, and I mean, the Lions are still in there and on basically on home ground the whole time, and that's got to help. Oh, definitely. Oh, look, I, I see some worries with Port at the moment. Um, I know they've been the best team in the season so far, but there's still a third of the season to go, and I think there's some worrying signs there. I think there's some emerging teams, um, St Kilda. You know, hopefully they don't do a Melbourne from a few years back. Um, you, obviously, you've, you've got Richmond there as well. I'm not saying we're going to win it. I think we've played some poor games, but we've won when we've needed to, like we did against uh, Gold Coast on Monday night. Um, the good teams win when they're playing badly. And teams like Richmond, uh, everyone keeps going on about everyone else's injuries, but they've still got Presti to come back. They've got Nan Curvis to come back. Um, they've got Hooley who's coming back this week. That's, you know... That's 600 games of, of dual premiership power coming back into the squad. You've got, yeah. uh, you've got, another, long, you've got another 200 games coming in um, with Edwards as well. So that's 800 games mm. of four players who are coming back oh. into the team at the right time of the season. Oh, I'm speaking very much as, 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 a, as a Lion-centric guy. We've got Richmond as a problem. You've got Port as a problem. We've got Geelong as a problem. And I can't believe we didn't even I, know that, thing is, I know that on a good day, we could, when, when we play our best, I know we can beat Port and Geelong. Well, for such, I've seen it with my own eyes. For such a convoluted and, and, and a really hard season to follow, pretty amazing with you know five you know season games to go, regular season games to go, that there's probably six teams you could say could win the premiership. And now that's, we didn't even bring up Geelong, but Geelong's really scary form right now. 
They're oh, what a good! They've great players all over the place. Uh, they, yeah, you can't really find a weakness. I think their defence has got even better this year as well. So I would love to have, honestly, a guy like Tom Hawkins playing for us. Yeah, I mean, he cops a lot of grief. I mean, uh, you know, social media this week is absolutely in the last couple of days has absolutely smashed Tom Lynch. But yeah. let's uh, let's be honest about it. Tommy Hawkins has done very similar for a few years and, and, and got off on quite a few similar charges. The AFL just right. has to go, right, Tom Lynch, two weeks. Tommy Hawkins, two weeks. You know, anyone doing these punches, I don't think anyone in the competition would complain if it was consistent, whether you are a big-name player or a first-season player. Give him a week. Give him two weeks. You'll sure, I don't you'll really find out. Punching someone in the stomach and punching them in the head really should be the same thing. It's a punch, right? Oh, so, you've, so you've tried the hurts. Would it kicked you in the head or kicked you in the stomach? Well, I mean... Well, right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. But I suppose the thing I, I, I'm saying is, you know, if they did it at the start of the year and they were consistent, no one would complain if Lynch got a week or two. But basically... What will happen is somebody from another club will do the same thing in a preliminary final. And I mean, imagine if it happens to Collingwood. Not that they're, well, they're going to struggle to get real deep in the finals. You would think at this point, but imagine if Collingwood has a like a Dagoe gets outed for for a week because he does that in a preliminary final. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, and I just support the AFL because they they're really up and down with um, different kinds of things for different suspensions. Can I say? Can I say? Yeah, of course you can. About um, I just want to send a special shout out to some clowns who follow the Brisbane Lions online banging on about the fact that they couldn't nail a, you know, a percentage-deciding win last week. I'm like, come on, guys, get, get real. You know, a win's a win. Okay, it wasn't the best for never, but they made they, – they, you talk about good teams winning games. The Lions of three years ago, four years ago, would have just been just in nowheresville this year. 100%, you know, mate, 100%. Uh, all around the place. People's expectations – and supporters, we're all entitled to our ideas, right? But people's expectations of what's real and what's not, all of the teams have been playing a crazy schedule lately. They're tired and they're going to get results up and down. No one can guarantee beating North Melbourne by 60 points just because you feel it's going to put them up on percentage. I think that's mad. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy season. Uh, and, you know, we saw Sydney basically almost finish off GWS uh, last week, and you, you couldn't have really picked that. Um, but look, if it was me, and, and I'll get you to try and do the same off the top of your head, um, if I was doing order of favouritism right now, this is just me, I'd have Geelong, West Coast, Brisbane, Richmond, Port. That would be my five. In that order. Alright, I'd have, you know what? You're going for three in a row. Or not three, in, you're going for no, three in a row? How many three, are you going for? Three out of four. Three and four. All right. I'd have Richmond number one because they've got the proof and they got the, they got the pelts on the wall. And you have – although you know, I, I don't actually think this year you're going to have to finish top four to win the premiership because it's different, right? Yep. So even if you're outside, I'll, I'll be worried about Richmond and Richmond and Geelong one, two, uh, then Port, Arsenal and West Coast. Yeah, I'm surprised with the Port. I understand where you're coming from. I just – Look, don't be surprised, mate. I really don't be surprised if they fall off. I can really see it changing. Um, even West Coast potentially, like you touched on before, Port and Ad- uh, and West Coast, if they have to then play up here, who knows? It they got really the ghost of running around with the man. I, 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 I've, I've, I've 
being involved as a Lions fan is funny because we've had some amazing um, duels with them over the years and neutrals probably don't realise how much there is between the two teams yeah. and the two clubs. Like, I, I can't write them off because they've got such a massive long history of winning um, across 150 years or whatever it is. And I like the fact that they've got home ground and they're celebrating a big milestone year. Yep. And I actually like the fact they've got a proper full forward, I've got to be honest. I think that's where they're weakness lies because you shut him down. They don't have too many more avenues to go. I mean, I know Robbie Gray's sensational, um, but, you know, he's still a, a mid-sized player. And I think you chuck, chuck having one big forward in final series doesn't get it done. Um, and I think history shows that, mate. So I, I'd be I'd be surprised if they do win it this year. They'd be the team that's right up the top that I think is going to be the in the most danger of going straight out. But that's it, just me. Yeah, I, I I know I get it, and I'm a bit of a, tradition, a traditionalist. I just like that. I'd love I'd love us to have that guy, and I'd like the AFL to go back to having less interchanges and making those guys even more relevant because yeah, they yeah. make it worth watching. Oh, mate, look, the, the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, the 2000s, we've touched on it. You know, going to a game, seeing Abbott up one end and Lockett up the other, Dunstall up one end and, you know, um, Salmon. And then, you know, you had so many great Our forwards. Salute. Oh, you know, you, you had so many great forwards. Um, I mean, we, we, we're missing out on guys who kicked 100 goals on multiple occasions like Matty Lloyd and, and stuff like that. It, it, to me, it was the golden time of football. Um, whilst my team's really successful now, I'm probably not in, enjoying football like I used to. And maybe that's just showing my age. Um, you know, the, the full... I think we all feel the same. I think we all feel the same about a lot of that stuff. And you've got to... I, I can't put it out of the way. And I'm... You, you're a rusted on aficionado and I've got mates who know way more about it than I do. But I'm telling you what I see in my eyes is that the game was so much more fun when it wasn't all incredible engines all over the field, on and off, running five-meter spells, um, shutting things down, moving around with a blanket over them and not worrying about key position players. Well, mate, one of the greatest players I've ever seen wouldn't even get drafted these days. In, in You know, he'd be a supplementary player and probably one of the greatest I've ever seen, and that's uh, Diesel Williams. Um, slow as all get out, but um, just unbelievable footballer, like a footballer. Yeah. And, that's and he never he... came off. No. <laughs> No, they, you know, basically you'd have to drag him off, mate. Um, never forget him missing out on a Brownlow after getting 42 possessions in a game when 42 possessions back then would be like 60. That meant now. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like 60 now, and especially he was in and under. Um, so, you know, we, we wouldn't get those guys playing now. We'll He's a great player at both Sydney and at Carlton. Yeah? Oh, 100%. Uh, you don't have to like the once again. You don't have to like the bloke off field or anything like that. But on field, um, any team would have taken him. Um, no, well, my favourite player of all time because we're probably not going to talk AFL a lot in the future with, with what we do was one hundred percent Tony Lockett. And um, the, my favourite memory of watching AFL was after we got married, living in Sydney, and me and my wife going to watch the Swans and um, the Lions, and Adam Swans with a lot of Swans people. And being right down the boundary, and they put Alistair Lynch down back for that game, and it was Lynch on Lockett, and they were basically fighting for all four quarters. Yep, it's rolling around the ground in front of us, next to the next to the hoardings. That was just awesome. Those two guys are two of the strongest blokes I reckon in the history of the comp. 
of any sport you could possibly even think of. Yeah, un- unbelievable. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Lockett, you know, wasn't exactly the uh, skinniest bloke ever. And, would he, you know, would he have been picked on back in those days? Oh, my goodness, mate. I don't know. But we'll touch on a little bit of rugby league in a moment. Cool. Uh, a little bit of tennis and a little bit of cricket. About uh, a little bit of NRL. Um, got some of the usual suspects up top at the moment with, uh, obviously, you know, Melbourne Storm. We've got Parramatta up there. Roosters struggling with injuries, starting to come back to the pack. But one of the traditional teams is right up there, and that's the Eels. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. They've been a pretty long-suffering fan base as well. Um, some of the greatest players that have played rugby league come from Para. And then we'll touch on another team a little bit later that's down the other end of the scales, mate. Yeah, we'll hold them back. What are you, what are you thinking about uh, the season so far? Really enjoyed watching Penrith play. One, I've loved the season since it came back. And I've got to say, I've watched a lot more NRL this year than I have for years. Rugby league's been fantastic with the rule changes. Yeah. Um, I th- thoroughly enjoyed the way that the good coaches have gone about setting their teams up and getting about the game that Penrith have been a joy to watch. As have, as have to be honest, man, I know you said they're fading, but the Roosters have been fantastic. So the still, I never used to really get, I don't know about you as we're getting older, I used to really, I used to get really, um, you know, if you want to beep it out, pissed off when teams would win all the time if they weren't my team. Yeah, but now I'm a little bit older, I really actually enjoy watching quality coach teams in any sport. And I, I love watching the Roosters and the Storm play. There's so much. I didn't like watching the Storm and the Roosters playing last year, but under the new rules, the fact that they've adapted to it so quickly is just a triumph of great coaching ah. and having great players. Coaching and system in, in sport, when mm. you've got a recognisable brand, a recognisable style to play, it's you can tell in the first few minutes of a game when teams are up for it, right? And in rugby league, you definitely can. And um, as you've said, yeah, Penrith have been great to watch. Canberra's been great to watch. The Storm's been great. It's been, for, for a strange season, it's been utterly enjoyable. It's been I think from memory, if I'm wrong, I think from memory because I took Hannah down to work. She was working at Marcus, right? So my daughter. Um, and I think the first game back was the Chooks and the Broncos. And after five minutes, and you know, and the, the bell coming in going, doot, 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 and all that. And I said to, I said to Hannah, I said, I had to take it to work. I said, I reckon they're going to put 50 on them. And then, you know, lo and behold, I took it to work, came back, and had gone from, you know, you know, 8-0 to um, 38 nil, And then it was it was 50, which has now become a pretty common score for the Bronx against. But back then, it was unheard of, apart from the time it happened in the semifinals last year. Yeah, apart from but you know what I mean. when they played the Storm, but we'll leave it at that, and, yeah. And, and it was just with the quality of the way that they took to the new rules. And the Bronx standing there looking like, you know, it was as if it was as if Red Hill never got the directive saying there's rule changes. Yeah. They, they gave up six after six after six, and they've done that quite a bit this season. And I actually thought the Storm, um, you know, with a, a, an older squad and turning over plays in the last few years, we're going to really struggle this year. But they yeah. just, Bellamy's a genius. Like, honestly, I know we say that, but I can't think of many better coaches in a, the history of Australian sport because he just keeps – he regenerates, he brings through youth, and he knows how to keep the older guys excited about playing. I just think – I just can't believe how well they're doing this year, and it's actually fun to watch. You used to think that was a space that 
a guy like Phil Gould would inhabit or um, how long, let lo and behold, Wayne Bennett. But, you know, Bellamy and um, Trent Robinson, I think Trent Robinson, for my money, is the number one sports coach in Australia. The, I, I think that the way the Roosters turn out year after year, week after week, all the time. Um, and I know Bellamy's a great coach, but I just think there's something about the Roosters. I can't put my finger on it. I think they're the best coach team I see in Australian sport. Well, I think they've yeah, got the most talent. Um, I think that comes a fair bit into it as well, and that's great recruitment. No, but not necessarily because, I mean, there's a lot of guys through there that, you know... Um, Okay, when Tedesco was allowed, Tedesco was allowed to leave the Tigers. Yeah, you know, like how's that happen? And not everybody who comes to the Chooks is a superstar when they arrive. And I'm definitely a Roosters fan. Oh, I know that. <laughs> um, I definitely know that. I, I just I look at the coaching systems, the way that the teams go out, the way they approach every game, the calm that they play with. Yeah. You know, and and an absolute laser like sharp and brilliance that they that they end up with is just out of this world, and I know that Parramatta, uh, Penrith are going great and all that, but, I mean, would you really back against a, a Chooks Storm GF again? No, I wouldn't. So I just think that the injury toll now is... is <clears throat> we talk about the injury toll in all sports, but I don't think any team's been hit as hard um, as the Roosters have this year. You can say AFL, NRL, any of the teams. Um, I just think the Roosters are running out of... They're running out of troops, mate. I think with a full team on the field... I think they would have been on top of the ladder by two or three games, and I, I think that they would win it again this year. I just don't think they're going to get to the big dance, mate. I just think too many injuries. There's a lot of injuries hitting the storm and big-time players too. So it's funny. I mean, I, Penrith do look really good, but, you know, it's a little bit of what have you done for me lately. You've got to show me in big games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't have power in a big game. Well, mate, let's go to the opposite the end. end. <laughs> let's go to the opposite end, you know. St. George, McGregor's gone. Mary McGregor's gone. They come out like a lot of teams do. And actually, statistics say this is a fallacy, really. But they've come out. They've they've won a big game. And they've sent him off with a lot of emotion. And, um, you know, I like I like when a coach, they shown, they've shown that respect to give a full effort for him. You know what I mean? And I just thought... Well, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Because usually the game that they do that sort of getting up for the coach is the game after he's gone. Yeah. Like, he actually had the one week to say, boys, I'm leaving. I've never actually seen that happen before. It was it was pretty emotional, and I've got to admit, I was I was pretty proud of the way the uh, that team and the coach just let their emotions show to each other. I thought that was just really good, and more men need to do that, and that was great. Um, Canterbury losing a couple of close ones. They've actually – they don't have the talent, and they've put in some really good performances this year. But one team, and one team stands alone – as absolute disgraceful in their efforts, it's got to be the Broncos. I, we're not breaking new ground on this one. I have to be careful what I say. What well, I live in Queensland and Brisbane, I live pretty close to a lot of systems and things like that because I'm mean, a coach in rugby and stuff. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I, I, I for the I mean, when every week the standard score, the pass score that you're trying to get your team to come back from is over forty in a game of rugby league or rugby union, then something's wrong because defence is all about effort. And I don't care about them conceding. You know, they said, oh, they just conceded the back end of games and stuff like that. It's like, that's garbage. I mean, you're talking about, let's be realistic here, along with a couple of 
a couple of AFL clubs and and only probably one other rugby league team, the biggest sports club in the country. Oh. And not only that, they've got the entire unlike those other the AFL clubs and the and the maybe the one other rugby league team, they've got the entire city to itself. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got all the scouting, they've got all the schools, they've got whatever they want, they have everything at their disposal. I think that it's a combination of a pretty narrow set minded um, recruitment regime and the style of play you go after. And they look it. You know, they look like one trick ponies, don't they? They really do. But I think the thing that. And the coaching is atrocious. And the coaching, and there was a lot of stuff went around about Seabold, and we're going to talk about that too. Uh, And we'll get to that in a sec. But let's, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. The the way that the Broncos have turned out since coronavirus is a joke. No, jokes are normally funny, mate. So um, mm. things a bit stronger than that. But it's well, actually funny watching them waiting to see if they go over fifty every week. Actually, that's become it's become Broncos bingo. Uh, I think the most damning thing um, from my point of view is how many tries they've scored up the middle. Um, you know, players basically from you know from the play the ball just basically charging over the top of them. That's that's an indictment on effort. That's not just coaching. If you're getting, I think they've had almost the most tries scored up the middle um, this year of any club. Now that that's the personnel on the field. That's not just coaching. That's effort. I so, heard the great Luke Lewis on ABC Grandstand talking on the weekend because I do like my ABC Grandstand on the weekend when I've got the rotisserie going. You know, <laughs> yep, doing some barbecuing and an oating or two. And he was saying that the, the, the two tries that Bronx conceded where the dude took the tap and just basically ran at him from five metres out. He said he'd never in the whole time that he was playing in the NRL been to a team meeting or a debriefing or a film session where they'd actually had to discuss that. No. He said it would never happen. He said, he just, he said just at the top, at the absolute top, and the NRL is the top level of that sport, right? He's saying that it would never happen. You can't just take a tap and run the dude like you're at school. No. And, I mean, you could go back, and I, 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 I don't think there's been a game where they haven't conceded a try or gone close to conceding a try up the middle like that. It's uh, – I, 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 no, I'm not a Broncos fan, but I'm also not really a Broncos hater unless they're playing the Storm. I just – it's bad. It's bad for football when one of the big teams is this inept. I think inept is probably close to what I could call it. I don't understand the inertia there either. They're moving at sort of like a glacial pace to to make a change. Now, okay, a lot of people are going to put their hands up and say, well, you, you know, you've got to keep the coach until the end of the year because of this, that and the other. But, you know, sometimes you have to make a change. Uh, sometimes you have to look at it and go, this is not working and it's never going to work. But does it come into the play that they've advertised the CEO role that I believe Ben Eichen's the front runner for? Does that does that come into it as well? Where they go, well, we're going to have to pay out the coach, we're going to have to pay out their CEO. They're not sure. Well, I know we say that. If you're going to have to go a dude to five year contract who's you know thirty two and relatively unproven, then you've got plenty of dough. Yeah. Well. I'm just saying, mate. It's uh, it's got to be something to do with waiting for the CEO to come in because you wouldn't want wouldn't to make the major changes. Wouldn't the current what's going on cost them money? Oh, it'd have to be. But I mean, look, if the the thing that's I suppose 
COVID-19 obviously is costing them money by not having the crowds there. But if the games were going on, they'd be costing money by the crowds not turning up by this time of the year. The so, best thing that ever happened to this current group of Broncos players is that the crowds aren't there. To hear the to hear the massive booze, you reckon, mate? Mate, I've been to, I've been to plenty of Broncos games, and I and and that's a pretty one way street with the crowd, and the crowd is pretty vocal about what it thinks. I mean, I I've never been there though, and seen them play like that. I've seen them get beat, but um, not not like that. It's just it's ridiculous, I and. Did- we're I just playing. don't understand how come they haven't sacked a guy. I know that he's not leaving, and we both know why. Yeah, because he won't get paid out all his contract if he quits. Well, we're going to touch on him on another week. I don't think we'll go into some of the rumours, innuendos, and other things at the moment. We're going to come back. We're going to finish off this podcast talking about some tennis and uh, one of your favourite sports, mate, cricket. So we'll come back and uh, finish oh, up. Mate. Okay, so 22, 42, 55. <clears throat> Have a sip of beer, mate. <laughs> hey, man, it's only you and me. Doing well. We're doing well. You ready to rock? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so one of the uh, world's, you know, longest running sports, one of the most famous sports uh, in terms of that Grand Slam prestige is tennis. And the US Open um, has had six of the t- top 10 women's seeds pull out. Uh, a number of the top 20 men pull out. Should the US Open go ahead? Why would anyone go to New York? At this time, absolutely. That's a joke. I'm sorry, and I don't really care. I mean, tennis is all kinds of things, and and it's full of a lot of stuff that I won't mention. But this is ridiculous. Like, why are they playing that tournament? Well, Nick Kurios said it really well, and a lot of people um, who don't, you either love him or hate him, but he's basically, why would I be going to the epicenter, you know, <laughs> the epicenter of this mm. pandemic um, to play a game of tennis? I, I don't think anyone could have said it probably better than he did. And, uh, no, and then people tried to turn around and take a dump on him, but what he said was perfectly true. And he also called out those clowns who'd been dancing around doing their, doing their um, you know, uh, whatever those matches were where they were getting money to get together in Eastern Europe and spread the disease around there. And and, and one of the big name players there was that he, he, he can contracted COVID, didn't he? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, <laughs> you don't always have to agree with him, but he's going to, he's going to say what he thinks. And I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty refreshing. In, in he was spot story. on and I won't watch it and they can go and get stuffed. So US Open in our minds, a number of players out, even if they play it. And we know that sports in the past, you know, um, when there was a crossover between amateur and professional sport, uh, players like Rod Laver missed out on a number of Grand Slams. And that's, in all honesty, if he was from another country, we would talk about it more and more. Because he missed Mm. out in the prime of his career on on a number of uh, Grand Slams. This one has to be an asterisk season. But they've got an opportunity to not play it because they didn't play Wimbledon. They're not going to play the French Open, are they? Ah, but the Wimbledon, Wimbledon, how great, how great was Wimbledon? You probably know this, but Wimbledon was one of the only sports, major sports um, or venues that actually had pandemic insurance. They actually <laughs> have paid, I think, either 13 or 15 in the last 13 to 15 years. They've actually paid a pandemic insurance. Mm. And, and so what actually happened when um, they called it off really early, they went to their insurance company. And they said, yep, you are covered. 
they actually paid out the prize money based on the people's seedings. Now, you might say, oh, well, you know, great, the rich get richer. But what about all those journeymen that have qualified for Wimbledon and need the money? They also got paid out. So it was paid mm. all the way down. And, and I only found that out recently, and I think that's amazing. I think it was an unbelievable. Um, so yeah. the risk of sound, risk of sound like Royn HD, so say your John Millmans and guys like that would have got paid out. Yeah, definitely, based on their rankings cool. and where they thought they would have got. Obviously, if you're number one, you're going to win it, so you were paid out that amount. Um, if you're number one, you know, what is it? They have 128 players in each side of the draw. So down to 128 in the world was paid what they would have got paid for the first round. So I just think that's an un- unbelievable foresight by the you know the the Lawns Tennis Club of, of England. Um, a lot that's of some other- pretty massive research by you because I hadn't heard that. Well, if I'm wrong, Paul underscore football, you can get on me at Twitter and have a go. But no, that's uh, everything I've read, and I just think it's an amazing uh, effort and and what great foresight by the CEO of the the All Grass. Uh, your grass there at uh, Wimbledon. It's just amazing. Mate, cricket. We've, we've had a fair bit of cricket. Over Man, the here we go. We're back. Actually, we're going to talk about cricket. This is the first time we've done it, ever. Wow. Mate, we love our cricket. We love our cricket. And what have you thought of... Um, you've been able to watch it a little bit recently. What have you thought of cricket coming back? Um, it's been fun to watch the cricket in the UK. I mean, I think the scheduling and playing in the same pitches and fields has made it uh, um, a little bit a little bit uh, different, but, you know, I, I, I do follow England. Uh, the first test against the West Indies was very disappointing. I think that was shrouded by a whole heap of other stuff that was going around at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and it would have been probably a little bit difficult to imagine a scenario in which the West Indies didn't win that game. I thought England showed their class that they've got above the West Indies. Big goal, two test teams. And then um, I think the Pakistan series is actually going to be a pretty hard-fought series. Pakistan's got an exciting, as per usual, fast bowling lineup coming through. It's always new dudes you've never seen before with Pakistan. I think, all- the, I think the Pakis are the most – actually, cut that, I shouldn't say that. I think the Pakistan are the most interesting team in world cricket because they've been handicapped with not having a home ground. The, COVID wouldn't worry them. They haven't been able to play home for years and years. Never mind that there's, you know, terrorist attacks in other countries in the subcontinent that go without any kind of sanction like they get. Um, they somehow always produce exciting teams. You never know what they're going to do. And it's just another version of that. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll be well positioned to keep um, keep travelling. What about the Australian summer? Where do, you, where do you see that going? Australia's got such a great... Fast bowling lineup. I think that with cricket, you just have to get on the field. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of games at the Gabba, <laughs> you know, um, and and that's bad news for everyone else who's coming to play. It's uh, India, isn't it? It is India. India's. Let's be honest about it. India is going to save our summer. Um, so we'll be playing uh, uh, India in a four-test series. Um, it'll be interesting to see how India feels about playing four games in a row at the Gabba because that'll be four 0 to Australia and it'll be over every game in three days. Well, we're at the uh, we're at the AFL on Monday night, and the uh, kids were saying, "Oh, what's that in the middle of the ground? What's a, why is there a big patch?" And you could already see the cricket, um, the you know all the different pitches being prepared. Um, yeah. Even you know probably don't see it as much on TV, but when you're seeing it at the game and you're above, I'm explaining to the kids how the wickets are prepared and how each one has its own 
um, time frame for the for each test and how uh, kind of meticulous that is. So <laughs> have they got four of them getting ready? It looked like five to me. Yeah, like five. But um, uh, were meant to play Afghanistan as well in the lead up to the Indian series. But I think oh, I, yeah. I think that's either they'll, if they do, they'll play that Allen Border. There's no way they're going to put them on it. The Gabba, if there's four tests to come there after that, I I wouldn't have thought. And I'm not I'm not talking down about Afghanistan, but let's be realistic. The 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 the, uh, the ACB. Oh my God, do I call them that? The Cricket Australia is going to need that money, and they're going to need that to be fully live beamed into India every single day of the series, and they're going to need that series to go day after day after day. So I'm not sure if the Gabba wicket can really produce. Um, something that's going to be uh, anything too juicy. I think it's going to be pretty flat. Um, a pretty flat, and Australia's bowling lineup's going to have to work pretty hard. And then there's a, a series of one dayers um, uh, between Australia and India, and then Australia and New Zealand as well. So it's going to be, uh, we're going to get a fair bit of cricket in. Um, whether the Big Bash can get off the ground, I haven't read any or seen anything about that, mate. I'm not sure if you've, uh, I think it's probably going to be sacrificed this year. I don't really get off on 2020 cricket. You know that. I, I, I like state cricket, yep. uh, which I assume is going to be probably most of those guys are going to be housed in South Australia and Queensland. Yeah. Because um, I, I, there's not much coming out about it, which seems a bit bizarre, but I presume that they're going to be up here. Well, like, why wouldn't you be? Because, you know, South Australia can play at home. If you wanted to be anywhere, you'd rather stay at – I'd rather stay at cool and, and you know – well, there's a number, number, number of great grounds. You could play. Uh, you could play up at Kazaleys. You could play uh, play some of the smaller games, obviously uh, at AB Field. Um, you could play down in South Australia. So there's a number of venues that. that hey, you could play at Salt Oval at Palmy, mate. It's one of the great pitches around. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's uh, also had some great football down there as well. So yeah. India, realistically, it's going to be interesting to see what the payoff is. Um, with the IPL for next year, because they're not going to just give up the IPL. The IPL is going to um, it's going to take some of our best players again. I mean, the money's just too much to say no to. It is about TV. I think you know. Now here we're bagging Americans for going with uh, for going there with um, you know the US Open, but like you do know that in Queensland you can have you you, you can have sport at the moment and it's safe. So uh, India is not safe. No. And if you're jetting around between, you know, between the Rajasthan Royals and you're heading down to uh, Bengaluru or Mumbai or whatever like that, you know, you're in those places. Everyone's tight, squeezed in. There's millions of people around. It's going to be very difficult for Australian players and English players, let's be realistic, and New Zealanders to say, I tell you what, I need to go and hang around in there for a while. Because when you've got to think about you're not going to be allowed to come home. No. That's, that's exactly right. John, it's been a great talk tonight. We've covered um, anything from the NBA um, up to the AFL, over to the tennis majors, to the cricket season, back to the NFL, college football, baseball. We've covered the lot. You've had a couple of uh, singers on the way. Um, I've had some water. We've been the Love Sport podcast, and uh, you can catch us again over the next few weeks. John, it's been Take a pleasure. Care. Take, Take care. Thank Take you. Take care, big man.